morning. This is Pastor Jennifer Pasquale at the International Christian Fellowship online and on campus in Rome. Hallelujah. This is September 2021, and I want to say I am so thankful for all of your prayers, for your words of encouragement, for the flowers that you sent at the homegoing, the heavenly homegoing of Pastor Rick, my beloved husband of 43 years. We're back in ministry in Rome. And I am so thankful. I am surrounded by servants who are serving the Lord, you know, ministers of the Lord, servants of the Lord. I'm a servant of the Lord. And I'm excited about the future. But I want you to know that I have been so touched by your love for Pastor Rick and your expressions of his ministry. And um, we are walking in a new and fresh anointing as I want you to walk in a new and fresh way with the Lord. So during this month, we are preparing to have a service honoring Pastor Rick on October 2nd on campus, and we will also live stream it. And so as you're here in Rome, I want you to come and see me. As you're online, you can send me messages. But I just wanted to give a personal greeting to our online campus to say thank you. It's not easy. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. Um, but we're still here, so we're not done. And God says, I have a plan for the future, to give you hope and a future, not to harm you, but to prosper you. That's true for me as a wife. That's true for me as a mother and a Gigi. It's true for you that God has plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. And he wants you to be used by God. So I just wanted you to hear from me this month. I love you. If you've been on vacation and you're just joining back in, God is faithful. And I am here, ready to do the work of the Lord in Rome and to continue on the legacy and the, and the vision that God has for the International Christian Fellowship of Rome. I appreciate your prayers. I appreciate your giving. Your faithful giving online has been amazing. And so I pray that the Lord would bless you in abundance. And as you bless the ministries of ICF Rome, we are literally touching one, touching Italy, and reaching nations with the good news of Jesus Christ. So thank you, and God bless you, and we will gather together to celebrate Pastor Rick on October 2nd as well, and we will carry on the faith for Jesus Christ. Praise God. Amen. It's a joy to be with all of you today. I believe that God is in the middle of doing something beautiful right here at ICF, and we are right in the middle of a beautiful new season where God is doing great things right here at the church, and um, I'm just privileged to be here, Pastor. It's an honor to be here in your house with new family and friends that we are meeting for the first time. That's the beauty about the kingdom of God, right? We're all brothers and sisters. We just many times don't get a chance to meet each other, and uh, we finally get a chance to see all of you, and we're so grateful to be here. Uh, so uh, on behalf of Calvary Orlando, on behalf of Pastor Kevin uh, and Maria that are our lead pastors, uh, they send their greetings. Uh, and our church send their greetings, and um, I'd like to also let you know that my wife sends her greetings, Mimi and uh, our two sons. I don't know if we still have that photo from this weekend, if we could put it up just so they could know who my family is. I take pride in my family because I believe that the institution of family is the first thing that God established, right? And uh, if you have a family, you are truly blessed. If you're young and you're looking to start one, hey, there's prospects right here at ICF. <laughs> There's prospects. I'm telling you, God could, God, could, God could perform miracles. I met my wife in church, guys. It, it works. It works. You don't need to look anywhere else. You don't need to look in the club. You could find it right here in church. 
Amen. Now, don't go find looking for somebody to sit next to now. We're still socially distancing, okay? <laughs> um, but we're so glad, so glad. So you're looking at my family right now. Um, to, my, to my right is uh, my wife, Mimi. We've been married for 22 years. Uh, to my left is my older son, MJ. And uh, to Mimi's right is our younger son, Alexander. And they're all active in ministry. My older son does digital design, graphic design for the church. And uh, our youngest son is in the worship team, and he's studying for sports medicine. So um, I'm, I, I love our family, and one day we hope to bring them over here so you can meet them as well. Amen? Amen. All right. So you're meeting me for the first time, and I don't have a lot of time, but I need to let you know this. I am a hollowback preacher. I am originally from Brooklyn, New York. My dad was a pastor in New York City, and I grew up in a loud church. It looked a lot like this. It, it did in, in every way, even the way the storefront looks. It's not a storefront, but it, it just, it, I'll say this. It was a funeral home before my dad bought it to be a church. So literally, it, it, it went from death to life. Amen. And um, so this reminds me a whole lot of being home. And, uh, but I'm a Pentecostal, and I get loud, and I get rowdy. So if you see me getting loud, I just, I'm teaching just with a louder voice. All right. So that's number one. Number two, I'm a hollow back preacher, which means if God is speaking to you, you can speak back to me. I'm one of those cooks that enjoy, uh, I enjoy when the people that are enjoying God's food, uh, for them to either moan or hum or do some kind of noise. But if you just want to say amen and hallelujah, we could go with that as well. Amen? Amen. amen. Join me in the word of God as we go to Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. I'm going to be reading out of the uh, NIV version. You should have it on your screen as well in that same version. And what we're reading from is a passage which I had the privilege to visit um, here in Rome, the very prison where the Apostle Paul was. And I was moved out of everything that I saw while I was there. What really moved me the most when Marvin took me there was, uh, was the prison in which Paul was in, where he most likely wrote this letter, the book of Philippians, um, to the church in Philippi. And it really touches me because it's probably his most intimate letter. And right now, we're, we're in a season of total surrender at ICF. Come on, somebody. We're in a season of total surrender. And today, I want to speak on the topic, uh, losing to win. Losing to win. It, it doesn't even sound right. But in the kingdom of God, sometimes you need to lose some things in order to win the right things. Come on. Sometimes you need to lose and, and get rid of some things in order to gain the right things. And I believe that we're in a season right here at ICF. And, and Pastor Jennifer is leading this church into a season of where we're, we're going to let go of certain things in order to gain better things. Amen. So let's read. It reads like this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And everyone says, I am not saying this because I'm in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content. In any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him, Christ, who strengthens me. Amen. Let's read that verse one more time. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens 
me. Father God, we give you this time. We bless you. And Lord, just use me as your conduit. Use me as your vessel that I may speak exactly what you put in my heart for your people. And that people may leave so much better than how they came. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. There's a song in America. It's not a Christian song, by the way. Uh, it, that says, I can't get no satisfaction. Have you ever heard it? I don't want to sing it because then we'll get some royalty problems on social media. But, but you all know, right? I can't get no. See, you can finish it and they won't catch it, all right? Uh, so, so I can't get no satisfaction. When we talk about that, satisfaction is simply to be satisfied. And let me tell you, we live in a world that is never satisfied. We live in a culture that is never satisfied. And we ourselves many times can be in a place where we are not satisfied. We want more and we want more and we want more. And when we look, we still want more. It's hard for us to be in a place of contentment. It's hard for us to be in a place of thinking we have enough. But when we get a, a chance to really look at our lives, and we look at what we put on, and we look at how we woke up, and we look at the fact that our eyelids opened this morning, and we look at the fact that we went to our closet and we had one, uh, uh, more than one pair of shoes, possibly, and we see that we, had, we opened the drawers and we had more than one shirt, we can realize that we are living in plenty, and we are living in the blessing of God, and we have health in which we could live in, and we have hands in which we can lift up to heaven even in this service and we have a mouth that can still praise ye the Lord how many are blessed in this place today see I believe that God wants us to recognize what we do have see I grew up like I said before I grew up in New York City and we grew up in poverty I didn't know what real tomato sauce was until I became an adult because I grew up with something called ketchup in my noodles in my pasta. We were so poor we couldn't get real tomato sauce. Right? And, and, and when I grew up and I was able to see how impoverished we were, I was able to thank God for that season because in, in that season we did the best we could with what we had. How many know what I'm talking about? See, see, when we ran out of eggs, we could go downstairs to our neighbor and we could say, do you just happen to have two extra eggs? And she said, just take the whole dozen. Right? Because we just grew up in that kind of community where everyone helped each other. In fact, there came seasons where uh, my dad, if we didn't have money to buy something, he would exchange a fluorescent light with the grocery store owner in order to get a gallon of milk and a box of Pampers. In other words, you, you did the best with what you had. And ingenuity comes when you don't have enough. In other words, sometimes we talk a lot about thinking out of the box. How about we look inside of the box and see what's still left, right? Sometimes we can look inside the box and see what's still left. You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you looked in your purse and there's no money and you go start looking through the pockets of your jeans and you find something. It's about satisfaction. When Paul writes to the church of Philippi, he's writing to them in a place where he is not in plenty. He, he's writing to them in a place of confinement. He's writing to them with chains in his hand and most likely some kind of writing device in that same hand that is chained or close enough to someone that is free enough to write what God is speaking to him in his heart. Now, now to know who Paul is, 
have to know that he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was tribe of Benjamin. He, he was a citizen of Rome. He was, he was a well-known person. He could have had the greatest philosophy with any of the philosophers of his time. He could have gone toe-to-toe -to -toe with Socrates. He could have gone toe-to-toe -to -toe with Aristotle. He was just that good. But at this, in this season, he's in prison. In this season, he's in lack. And he begins to write something that we could really grab onto today because I believe God wants to teach us the secret to real satisfaction. Amen. See, I believe that when we are going through seasons of plenty or seasons of lack, we could still stand on the same foundation. See, because we are not rocked and we are not moved by the circumstances of life. We are moved by the faith that we have in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter if we're going through hard seasons or we're living in the blessed seasons. In all of it, we are still standing on the same solid rock, Jesus Christ, our Savior, and our Lord. Amen? So the first thing I want to tell you is, number one, you got to remember to rejoice. When hard moments come in life, when difficult seasons come in life, you got to remember to rejoice. Notice I say remember and it's because sometimes we have amnesia with what God has done. Sometimes we forget what God has done. And God wants us to live a life of joy and to rejoice in what he has already done. The Apostle Paul had gone through some of tough seasons and also seasons of great triumph. He is now in prison and he's writing to this church. And his posture at this moment is the same posture he had when he was in his greatest moment. His posture is a posture of true worship to God. He's been in prison before. He, he sang in prisons before. The prison doors have opened before. And, and, and he's been set free before with simple worship to God. Because I do believe this, that when we are in real, genuine, authentic worship to God, chains can break. I believe that when you lift up your voice to God and you let your circumstances and you put them to the side and you focus on the throne room of heaven, I believe that chains can begin to break. I believe that all kinds of circumstances cannot withhold what God really wants to do in your life when you go into God's holy place and you worship him with all of your heart. But what do you do when you worship and the chains are still in your hands? Because the Apostle Paul is in possibly his last season. And he's writing and this, these chains are not breaking. He's writing and the, this prison, these prison doors are not opening. But it doesn't take away the fact that he's still satisfied in what God has done and who God is. See, we need to remember this. Philippians 4, 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. Listen to this. Again I say, rejoice. He says it two times, and I think it's because we have to be reminded to live a life of joy. We have to be reminded to be the light of the world in a world that just continues to get darker. We need to be the ones that smile even with masks on. We tell our church, they can't see your smile, but at least squint your eyes. <laughs> you can smile with your eyes, right? And I believe that we can be that, that, that people that makes the difference. We can make the difference in our families when we live a life of joy. We can make the difference in our communities when we live a life of joy. You see, people are attracted to joyful people. 
right? I don't know about you, but I don't like to be around people that are mopey and tired and negative all the time. I mean, you, you learn to work around people like that. But the reality is I am just attracted to joyful people. Can you look at somebody and ask them, are you joyful? Are you joyful? Are you joyful? Hallelujah. I love the way the psalmist said it. The psalmist said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will be continually in my mouth. You see, when you don't praise, you're stealing his praise. Did you hear what I said? When you don't praise, you're stealing his praise. The Bible says that his praise will be continually in my mouth. In other words, it is my job to release his praise back to him. Hallelujah. I wonder if there's anybody that wants to practice releasing praise back to him in this place. Hallelujah. 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 God is good. And all the time. Number two, number two, Paul teaches us from a prison that we need to refuse to resent. We need to refuse to resent. Paul had every, re every reason to be bitter about the situation instead of, instead he focused about what was really going on in his life and how this was going to better the kingdom of God. He had all the reason to be upset about even some of the disciples and apostles and what they did to him. He had all the reason to be upset with the church, not just those that were out there looking to persecute him. He could have chose bitterness, but he didn't. You could choose to not live a life of bitterness. Let me tell you, when bitterness takes a, a hold of our hearts, it's hard for us to really receive from God because our hearts just become so stone cold that it doesn't matter how big God is moving. It doesn't matter how great of a thing that God is doing in our life. We can't feel it and we can't see it because our hearts have become apathetic towards everyone and everything. And God wants you to remember today to, to, to refuse to be, to resent. See, I, I believe that many times it's a mindset issue. I mean, it has more to do with our way of thinking. It, it has more to do with, with, with do we have an abundance mindset or a poverty mindset. And when I say that, I'm, I'm not saying, I believe that a, 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 a mindset of abundance has nothing to do with money. A mindset of abundance is that you're always thinking greater thoughts. You're always thinking greater ideas. You're always thinking that things are going to get better. See, it was Eleanor Roosevelt that said that poor minds talk about people. Good minds talk about things. Great minds talk about great ideas. See, I want to be always thinking about a greater idea. I want to always be thinking about something greater that I could do. See, I don't want to have a poor mind where I am so insecure about myself that I got to talk about people. I want to have a mindset of abundance where I'm always looking for ways to bless more people, to help more people, to serve more people, to, to be in my church and find more people that, to be, that needs to be connected to ICF. Somebody say amen to that? So change how you think. You got to renew your mind according to Romans chapter 12. The way my wife Mimi would tell our sons is when they were a lot smaller, they're much older now, and sometimes she still tells, tells it to them. She would say, tell your mind to tell your body what to do. <laughs> so before we would go to someone's house when we were, you know, leading our church and, you know, we would always give them the third degree in the car 
you know, letting them know, I, we don't want to see you running over all their couches. So we would tell them, in the car, just give them the full rundown. We're going to go visit this person. You're going to have to tell your mind to tell your body what to do. And what mom is telling you to do is you're going to sit there and you're going to be quiet until we leave. <laughs> right? And it still works today. Sometimes you just got to tell our mind to tell our body what to do. And it's even better when you use the word of God because you could use the word of God to get the word of God in our minds. And the word of God goes from in our mind to our hearts and from our hearts to good works in Christ Jesus. And we just want to live a life that is constantly thinking good things and not living a life of resentment. Somebody say amen to that. Philippians 4.8 tells us, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. That's the things we should be thinking about. Those are the thoughts that we should be having. When we see somebody do a great thing, let's praise them. Let's celebrate them like we just celebrated these students. Let's always have a life of celebration. Because if we do that, then we are constantly living in the abundance of God. Amen? Amen. See, if it's a lie, forget about it. Just do that. Say, forget about it. <laughs> I'm sticking with God's truth. If it's dishonorable, forget about it. I'm sticking with what's noble. If it's mediocre, forget about it. I'm sticking with excellence and with what is praiseworthy. Psalms 121 verses 1 to 2 says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from where my strength comes from. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You see, the, 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 the psalmist understood that if I always look at what's going on in the valley, I'll never be able to see what's up in the mountain. And sometimes we walk around like small chickens when God has called us to be eagles. And chickens can only peck at what's at the floor. But an eagle's called to soar and go much higher than all of that. And I believe that I'm speaking to some eagles right here in this room right now that have been called to soar as high as they can. And to then look down at what they're going to grab and take right back up into the heavens. God has called you to soar. He has not called you to keep looking down in the valley at what happened to you and how it happened. It happened five years ago and we're still living in it. It happened three weeks ago. We're still living in it. It happened ten years ago. We're still living in it. God says lift up your eyes to the hills to where your strength comes from. God wants to give you new strength. God wants to fill you with a new anointing. God wants to fill you with his spirit. But you can't do it looking at what happened. You got to look at it at where you're going. Hallelujah. <laughs> Lastly, number three, stick with the source. Stick with the sauce. source. Also the sauce. <laughs> it works too. Sauce and source is almost the same. <laughs> Paul found the secret of satisfaction. It wasn't in what he had. It wasn't in what he didn't have. It wasn't who he had. See, it wasn't in what he had, what he didn't have, but in who he had. And who he had was greater than anything on earth. He had the Lord Jesus Christ within him. He had the Spirit of God giving him the revelation to write these letters for everyone that would be in the New Testament. He was able to encourage the church from a place of physical lack. Because he was connected to the source with no lack. 
He writes one of his most encouraging verses in the New Testament on the backdrop of one of his most vulnerable written statements. In chains, he is still able to make a change in people's lives by proclaiming the gospel. It is in your weakest moments, friends. It is in your weakest moments where God will show you his strength and give you confidence in him. This is why he can say, I can do all things through Christ who gives strength. You notice that this is often quoted before something is done. See, in the U.S., a lot of football players put this black stuff on their face and they, they'll put Philippians 4.13. Or there'll be t-shirts that say Philippians 4.13. There'll be a U U US UFC fight or boxing fight and the fighter will come out with something that says Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who trusts me. And, and they're doing it not knowing. They're using it before they go into something as if it was an abracadabra verse that will give them the strength to fight and win the battle. And when we read this in context, he said it after he went through something. He said it after he was able to say that I've learned to be content and satisfied in whatever my circumstances is. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, after you've gone through the trial, after you've gone through the fire, after you've gone through the biggest problem of grief or any situation in your life, God wants you to stand and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because he was with me when I didn't have anything. He was with me when I had everything. And in all, he is still with me and he is still strengthening me for right now and for this season. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that today? I believe that God wants to remind us of that today. It's a hindsight statement, not a foresight statement. It's a statement that you can really believe in and grab onto when you're going through your hardest moments. I believe that if this was a statement that would have been said before Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they would have came out of the fire and then they would have been able to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I believe if, if Paul would have came before David and David would have uh, been able to slay the giant, he would have he would have slain the giant Goliath and Goliath would have been on the ground and he would have been able to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He would have been able to say it be after he went through it, not before. And I believe there's people here that have gone through big trials. There's people here that have gone through great tribulation. There's people here that are living either in the goodness of God or living and going through the valleys of life. But it doesn't matter which side you're on. Today, God wants to remind you that you can live in full satisfaction because you are losing things in order to win the right things. See, it's possible that Paul never made it out of that prison. But that was okay. Because he had written enough for people to carry what he said all the way to even right now. That we can be able to read what he wrote so many years ago and be encouraged not to be famous but we can, we can live in the greatness of God can you bow your heads in this place praise the Lord we're so thankful for the word of God that changes our life and so if you have decided today that you want to follow Jesus 100% I want you to pray this prayer with me I want you to say dear Lord Jesus you say it dear Lord Jesus I ask you right now to come into my heart Renew my life, my heart, my mind. I invite you, Jesus, 
to be the Lord of my life. From this day forward, I'm going to live for you with the help of Jesus, with the help of the Holy Spirit, and with the message of the Word of God in my life daily. And I thank you for it, Jesus. You tell him, thank you, Jesus, for saving my heart, saving my life. In Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. I also want you to know that if you need a miracle today, if you have something that is pressing on your heart and your mind, I'm praying for you. And so as we close this service, there will be some other announcements that you'll see at the end. But I want to say to you today, the prayer of the righteous are very effective. And so we are agreeing with you in prayer today for your miracle, for your intervention, for your job, for your family. So Lord, right now, I thank you for our church family. I thank you for the ones who are right now saying, Lord, I need a new revelation of who you are in my life. I need a new example of you hearing my prayers and walking with me in this journey. And so Lord, whatever your child right now is experiencing, I pray that you would remove all fear and anxiety. I pray that you would replace it with the peace that passes understanding. I pray that you would bless them in their comings and their goings, and that you would lift their heart as they lift their head up to you. And they say, Lord, I'm all yours. I surrender to you, Lord God, and I know that you are with me in the midst of my journey this week. So, Lord, I pray that you would bless your people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God bless you. And if you pray with us, please send us an email. Let us know what's going on in your life because we are praying together and we have experienced God doing some amazing things. And he's not finished yet, so we keep on pressing on forward in Jesus' name. God bless you and have a wonderful week.